You're listening to Conversations on Character, a podcast brought to you by the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtues at the University of Birmingham. Your host is Dr. Tom Harrison, and this week he interviews Lord Ian McNichol, life peer, former General Secretary of the Labour Party and co-chair of the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Political Literacy. Welcome back to Conversations on Character and this week we have Lord Ian McNichol who's a British Labour politician. Ian had much of his early career as a trade unionist primarily with the GMB union and he was also the General Secretary of the Labour Party before he moved to the House of Lords in 2018. And we have a really good conversation about the interlink between political literacy and the new APPG that he's co-chair of that's recently been set up and character education and uh, civic citizenship education. And we talk about the importance of developing quantity, skills, knowledge, but importantly, supporting children and young people to develop qualities that enable them to be fully participatory members in uh, society today and indeed in their future. I hope you really enjoyed this discussion and I think you will see a real insight into some of the linkages between political literacy and character education. Ian, it's fantastic to have you a guest on this Conversations on Character podcast series. Thanks so much for joining us from London today. Pleasure. It's, uh, I really wanted to uh, speak to you for, for a while now, because uh, I know that you've had a real interest in a kind of public service of, of all forms through from your trade union days and more latterly as a, one of the more recent Lords in, in the House of Lords. How, how are you finding it as a uh, Lord? So it's, I'm, it's very strange. I'm coming from a working class community in the west coast of Scotland. I didn't do very well at school. Um, would rather spend my time on the, the small holding, uh, driving the tractor on the farm than at school. I'm to, to end up uh, as a Lord and Lord McNichol of West Bride uh, is a bit strange, um, but I'm enjoying it. And my Twitter feed still says um, I want to change the world, which is, um, which is what I'm trying to do. Yeah, brilliant. And and I was actually wanted to ask you that because you really have kind of dedicated your life in different ways to kind of uh, service and kind of res- res- engage citizenship. And we're going to come on to your role with the new APPG in a, in a minute. But what really kind of drew you to that life of political service? It was partly the time. It was the late 1980s um, that I ended up talking my way into one of the old technical colleges and doing a higher national diploma. Because um, I realised, I remember waking up when I was about 17 years old, that if I stayed in West Bride, I'd probably be married at 20, kids at 22. And you know what? It would have been a really nice um, life, but there was just something something inside me and um, that, that drove me to to want to to do something and and the way out was was through I'm going to college and I'm studying um, but those late 80s the the Berlin Wall was coming down Mandela was coming out and you know my formative 14 15 year old was through the minor strike and watching what happened to some of our um, communities um, there. So it was about, about wanting to make a difference. And I, and I saw that, um, I saw the way of doing that was going through college and got involved in 
in student politics and um, and then that was it there was there was no looking back yeah and it and it seems to be something that you've really continued to have a passion about helping children and, and young people and i suppose uh, you know university age students kind of really get involved because i'm going to talk about your role with the national citizen service a bit later on but certainly more recently uh, setting up a new old parliamentary group for political literacy and you're one of the inaugural kind of co-chairs of that a passion i suppose for, for kind of helping children and young people learn uh, literacy around what it means to be kind of politically responsible and active and participatory in society seems to be be one of your passions could, could you just tell us a bit more about the APPG that you've established? Yeah so the so the APPG I chair with I'm Simon Fell who's a Conservative MP I'm for Barrow in the northwest of England and we co-chair it and it's an all-party and so we have some of the uh, Liberals involved, some of the um, Scottish Nationalists as well, and trying to bring in um, all of the other parties. And it's quite a new, well, it is, it's only had um, two meetings, uh, and it's supported by a youth um, charity, sort of community campaigning organisation called Shoutouts uh, UK. And, and basically the, the idea is to try and I encourage um, schools and um, the education department and young people themselves to, to get engaged and get involved and develop um, political literacy. And the reason why it's, it's all party is because the, the only way that this is going to work is if there's support for it across the, the political uh, spectrum. And, you know, you look at with the advent and the development of social media to be fair not just young people but but the, the minefield of news and information that all of us have to contend with and weave our way through the misinformation the disinformation um, and and trying to equip um, especially young people with the skills um, to navigate their way through it and to make their own choices and to make up their own minds on that, but being able to, to see the pitfalls, that's a sort of the, the concept um, behind it. And it's starting to, to work. I was fortunate in coming through the education in system in Scotland, we had a hire called uh, Modern Studies, which I don't think um, exists to the same extent in, in England. And, and Modern Studies was basically the last 20 years uh, of what had been happening politically across um, the world. And, and it was my teacher um, in modern studies, uh, Dr. Oates, who, who, who helped as a 14 year old sort of in, instill that quizzical um, and thinking about what was happening politically um, across the world uh, at that time. So that modern studies worked well, but it, was, it wasn't compulsory. It was just um, an option for us um, to choose. But in that class, we were, we were having political discussions and political debates. And, and I was quite fortunate. My, my gran lived on one of the other small holdings um, nearby us. And I, we used to have political discussions at home as well. So it was, it was that political discussion at home, the political discussions in school. and, and when I then got involved in the student politics, you find that so many people hadn't had those um, those opportunities, uh, and and been been able to try and expand that in and across 
um, the secondary schools just now is, is what we're looking to do. No political bias um, to it at all, just political literacy and the understanding um, of it. Yeah, which I, which I can see why it's so important. It's an all parliamentary group because, as you say, you're just trying to kind of literacy as in terms of knowledge and understanding of, 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 of these areas. I mean, in England, um, we had uh, citizenship education, still quite a lot of schools obviously do citizenship education, which had a lot of, uh, in Crick's, uh, Bernard Crick's original vision, had quite a lot of kind of political literacy at, at the heart of it. But it also had kind of a focus on um, social and community and, and volunteering and also kind of, uh, kind of morals uh, led elements to that as well and, and along, running alongside kind of citizenship education and certainly more recently has been a more of a focus on on character education by uh, recent secretary of state and i think in a lot of schools that i work with they see kind of citizenship and character education really very much being in hand in hand because a lot of them are about developing skills and quality on people that they enable them certainly critically but autonomously to kind of engage uh, you know positively in in the world um, i mean do you do you view a relationship between kind of character and citizenship education do you think do you think there is one there yes and i also think that the, the political literacy feeds into into both i'm both of those i'm and and i think part of it is about creating the the opportunities and you talked about um community and it's one of the things that i've i'm i'm really interested in in how because you can't force I'm community, I'm on a group of people or, you know, a group of young people um, or a, a geographical area. It's something that, that needs to develop. Um, and it's the, I suppose it's partly the, the skills that, that sit around um, that in terms of how you can help develop and build the, the community. So one of the things that I was we were trying to do when I was the, the general secretary of the, the Labour Party was the, the community um, campaigning and the community engagement. And again, it, it, it sort of worked in, in part of the of the politics, but but didn't but didn't reach enough. Um, I, I think quite a lot of politicians didn't see a tangible outcome to what community campaigning or community organising um, was actually um, looking to do. Um, but, but for me it was, if, if, you can, if you can help engage and build people and, uh, and allow them to, be, to, to develop their community, so there is a community spirit within it and there's community action um, within it, then you can see the benefits of, you know, the wider society being engaged and being involved. And I think that that then sort of f comes down into schools as well with both character and with um, community. And um, it's also one of the, the reasons that I've got involved with the NCS, the National Citizen Service, um, is, is because there's there's an opportunity through what they were looking to do with the initial concept of that in terms of bringing young people from different backgrounds, different societies together so that they could mix and, um, and interact. And we've seen a lot of that being lost um, through COVID and through the restrictions um, on not, you know, we've all been restricted and we understand why and agree and support why. But 
but the impact that that has had on you know the the, the 16 17 18 year olds i think you know it will be something that we'll be needing to deal with for for many years to come but it's it's how can you use that society community character to to help bring people together and create a, a better fairer nicer area to live and place to live yeah, exactly. So when we've done a lot of work with actually the National Citizen Service involved with some of our uh, kind of research uh, and also like this Step Up Serve I Will campaign, which which um, uh, stopped recently and other charities, a lot of that has been around promoting what we call the double benefit, which is obviously around, you know, developing, you know, young people developing kind of character, quality, citizenship, uh, uh, skills and knowledge, but also uh, hopefully making a meaningful difference in, in their communities. And it's, it's kind of both to both together is the is development of, of that. I mean, there some people, uh, not many, but some people have seen a conflict between, I think, character and citizenship. There has been some tension by some between you, particularly, I think, because it's been a largely kind of conservative idea of character education in recent years, although had a lot of history and actually early Labour thinking and, and kind of the early 2000s in white paper and green papers talked about character and their, and their thinking as well. And that's the, the same concerns with political literacy, because... Um, we're just about to um, carry out a survey and um, James Weinberg of Sheffield is going to do some work um, for Shout Out UK and for the APPG um, on political literacy, looking at teachers and parents' views on um, political literacy. There's quite a lot out there on, on young people's views on um, political education and, and political literacy. So it's about pulling that together and, and analysing that. But there's very little research out there on both teachers and parents. And I think one of the areas that across the political spectrum we, we worry about is when you start to talk about political literacy, probably in the same way if you talk about character uh, or um, community, people sort of just pull back a little bit and just worry, well, is that the role for, for politicians to be talking about political literacy? Are they going to be trying to indoctrinate our children in a political viewpoint or in a, in a political value? And my point is actually, do you know what? young people are actually some of the smartest people out there and trying to indoctrinate anyone um, in a political viewpoint, you're, you're more than likely to get the, the pushback and the reaction against it, especially if you speak to some, some parents and, and then their views on their, their children's political, um, or their, yeah, their children's political viewpoints can be diametrically um, opposed. So, so this idea that political literacy is, is forcing a political viewpoint is, is just fundamentally wrong. And what we're looking to do, and what James is looking to do with the, the research is to, is to dig a bit into that and, and see if people do actually think that, why they think it, and what it is that we need to do to help change um, those views. Because if we can change that, and, and we can get that, that critical thinking and, and analysis, which is, which is part of, of, of the work that, that you're talking about in terms of, of character, but it dovetails into political literacy as well, then um, you're, you're building, you're helping create um, more rounded um, individuals. And, you know, you talked about I will, you know, I worked with um, Julia Cleverden, who I think you've, um, you've been a guest, yeah. She's amazing. Um, and just her, her drive to, to give 
um, young people the, the skills um, and the opportunities. And for me, that's what that's what it, it comes down to. It's about the opportunity. Um, I didn't have all of those um, when um, when I was in in secondary school. Um, I was fortunate um, through a couple of um, and this is often what it comes down to a bit of luck here and, and there and to be fair a bit of drive that I ended up going off to to college and then working through the political and the trade union um, movement I, I'm keen that, that those opportunities are there for for everyone to to achieve and in whichever field um, or area of interest that we want to develop and, um, and push um, forward mm -hmm. in and the areas that you're talking about Tom in terms of character and the areas of critical analysis help feed all of that absolutely because it's it's not uh, it's not really telling children and young people what to think it's just helping them to think about how to think and express those ideas because i think so much of this is about helping young people have you tried telling a young person what yeah to... yeah it, it, it doesn't work yeah not not even they're going to go the exact opposite direction uh, but I mean, I think, you know, with a lot of the issues around the kind of culture wars and the stuff that you're talking about, social media, etc. A lot of this is people have forgotten how to kind of learn to disagree agreeably and um, uh, put their point forward with kind of courage and uh, but with compassion and understanding and still try. So it's those kind of human qualities that enable us to even when we're not in the same page that enable us to kind of get on better, which I think is at the heart of kind of good character and citizenship education. I suppose the concern is or the big question to some extent is what uh you know can politicians and others do about that you can raise the profile of it um you can suggest things you can campaign with the d department for education uh, around these sorts of topics but um it, you know that's 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 the kind of question is where where are the limits of what we're able to do and but what 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 should we be doing in this space so um tom there's some best practice uh, out there um just now and one of the things and um, because we've opened up the APPG, so it's not just inward facing into parliament and politicians, it's outward facing. Uh, and if, if you've not um, come and joined one of the, the calls, please um, have a look out for it. So it's the all party parliamentary group on political literacy. Um, the next one is in September and then another one um, in November, but they're outward facing and they're, they're open. And one of the things from just the first two meetings that, that we've had is that um, individual um, teachers and organisations um, across the UK are already doing bits and pieces around this. And some of the, the practical uh, worksheets and tools on best practice I haven't been developed by the um, Department of, of Education, but I've been developed by individuals in schools, um, teachers and interested individuals just now. And what we're looking at is a space to, to share that. Now, I, I, there is a bit of a debate just now in do you have a, a GCSE or um, an A-level on um, political literacy against, is it something that's more I'm holistic that it's basically a course there that everyone can can tap into um, and and we haven't come to a sort of a final conclusion on that there are some people who, who think it should be a GCSE or an, or an A level but the difficulty with that is unless it's compulsory and everyone does it it's only going to be those who who choose to do it and those who choose to do it may well be more interested in in that area anyway um, or do you go down a more sort of um, compulsory module 
that sits there that, that everyone um, can can tap into um, and everyone can see. So I, we're just working through those issues just now. So actually, I'm sure there are some of the some of your listeners who will have views and may well have um, some expertise within this area. Please um, feed into the work that we're doing um, just now. I think we would. Well, I'm sure they will definitely hear your call, and they'd be delighted to to be involved. And I think one one of the interesting things about kind of both character and um, and political literacy, and to some extent the citizenship education uh, agenda, is this is why it's so difficult to make it so really clearly explicit in schools because it is a bit about knowledge and understanding. Of course, it is, but so much of it is actually about the active expression. It's about a way of being, isn't it? To some extent, which is quite hard to kind of test and and, and do kind of exams around. And it's it's these whole school approaches as and really important, obviously, uh, in partnerships with families. Or a lot of this obviously starts in, in families and homes as well, and how and how they work work together in that in that space. Yes, I know absolutely, and I think there was a, a recent um, survey I, that was done for the the Centre for the Future of Democracy, um, which looked at young people's satisfaction with um, democracy, and and then did a bit of an analysis on those who had been through some form of um, political um, literacy or um, political literacy education or engagement and actually when people have been and have been through and and learned and probably got more of an understanding of um, of the those sort of basic skills their engagement and understanding and probably more important actually what you just said their ability to then engage with political discussion and debate either online, at home, or I'm with I'm fellow I'm pupils and teachers in schools, increases I'm, when they have that ability to critically, critically analyze and understand I'm, the information that has been, been placed in front of them. And, you know, you just look at the, you know, we have our smartphones, virtually everyone has a smartphone with them, um, all of the time, there is information coming through that um, and coming down that all of the time. And, you know, we have access to more and wider views than, than we've ever, um, ever, ever had. And been able to work out, and this is one of the areas that I'm quite interesting is how, how, how you, you use the, the skills that, that you've talked about and I've talked about to be able to um, understand fake news and the news that's that's in front of you um, because that's a skill that is really important you know if you're coming on to social media that I mean that's where my area of research is actually most of my uh, work recently has been looking at kind of cultivating character and what I call wisdom or cyber wisdom to help children and young people make better decisions online because they're so faced yeah. with all of these um, things that come at them and um, we're really struggling with regulation around this about how to kind of regulate this so it is really about children and young people developing competencies or character qualities or wisdom that when you know when they're hit with um, kind of misinformation start to kind of pause and think through these things before kind of taking action so I think you know political literacy character citizenship whatever you may uh, you know kind of the links between them are so important in the age we're in yeah. right now yes no it's it's the skills I'm and the I think they cut across I'm all of those I different I areas but the skills to be able to critically analyze 
I'm what is in front of you is just I'm so important. All of us have our smartphones with us I'm virtually all of the time. And the amount of news and, and information and the, the, the varied ways um, and the, the varied viewpoints of the individuals who are placing that news in front of us um, is, is, is so much greater than, than we've ever um, faced or, or ever had before. And, and Tom, is, as you were saying, being able to critically analyse and understand um, what um, you're seeing um, cuts across um, character, political um, literacy and um, community. It cuts across all of those um, areas and is a skill that is just um, so important. So if we can develop um, modules and um, classes that, that help um, young people um, develop um, those skills, that can only be a, a good thing. You know, we're in the middle or fingers crossed coming to the end of, um, or near the end of um, the COVID-19 um, pandemic. And we've seen a lot of fake news about vaccines. And you, you look at the uptake um, in different countries, so much of that, um, comes down to the, the news and often the fake news that is being spread um, about the, the vaccines. Um, so um, yeah, having facts um, is, is really important, but being able to interpret and understand those facts is you know, um, probably the, the most important part of it. Absolutely. And I, and I think um, this is why we campaign a lot for schools. Um, I, I say quite often that, you know, schools are about preparing young people from for the tests of life rather than kind of giving them a life of tests. And it's that uh, it's trying to, um, you know, get that balance in, in schools for the future, because so much of this is going to be increasingly uh, important in the future. Um, we're going to actually conclude our podcast uh, in with, with what's popularly called our virtues from a hat is when I uh, pull out a, a, a quality uh, from a hat and then just ask you to think of someone, you know, it could be someone you know in personally or it could be someone well-known, etc., that you think might exemplify that, uh, that virtue. So I, I hope you're up for this, Ian. Yeah, on you go. <laughs> okay, great. So I'm pulling into my hat now and uh, the first one that's come out is uh, courage. Courage. Can you, can you, if someone exemplifies oh. courage to you? So, uh, courage. Um, so some of them are family, um, which is, is probably a bit um, twee for, for other listeners, but um, my mum was Canadian and uh, she came um, to discover her roots in, in Scotland when she was 19 years of age, went to the, the local dance, met my dad, had a week or so with him, went back to Canada and he wrote and proposed and, and then she left Canada and all of her family to come across to Scotland. Um, with with nobody um, and built up home um, built up home here and I, the courage that, that she showed through that um, was just amazing and um, she died of cancer at, at 51 which is which is far too young um, but but what she showed in in her life um, short life was was just amazing. I'm encouraging and doing that. And she brought up with my dad four amazing um, 
kids. So uh, yeah, so courage there. Um, but the the other courage is is through the the trade union movement. Some of those early pioneers, whether it's Wilthorn, the founder of the the GMB, who couldn't read or write, and and what they achieved. Um, in bringing people together, the courage that that, that took in the um, in the last century, early last century, phenomenal, um, and you don't you don't see as much of that today. Thank you so much indeed, Ian, for uh, joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Well, likewise, an absolute pleasure, and um, thank you um, so much for the invite. I've really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed listening to Conversations on Character, hosted by Dr. Tom Harrison and produced by me, Joe McDowell, on behalf of the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtues. To learn more about character, the research of the centre, or to give us feedback on this podcast, visit jubileecentre.ac.uk or find us on social media at Jubilee Centre One. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.